bringing it back to the kids and saying, you know, traditional smoke heals, tobacco smoke kills. Just a safe space, a safe space for them to tell their stories and also just to be heard, I think, is a big thing for us. You learn a lot of things from the older generation. You know, you read about, but it doesn't hit you the same. They'll tell you about like the advertisements and things that they used to show us and they were smoking at the ages of 10 or nine or, you know. What has always struck me about the tattoo program is the, the opportunity for creativity. They don't look at me like, a, oh, I don't know you, or I don't trust you. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like, oh, you know, Ish has been around in the community for a while and everyone knows her family or knows her. The trust, the rapport, the being able to get in touch with us and say, hey, we've got this thing going on. Can you pitch in or um, can we help out? More than just education around tobacco. We're a part of the community. We engage with the community and we're not just strangers. And I'm not coming here to talk words down your throat and then you don't really get anything. I want it to be a really open, sort of even field where I'm teaching you things, you teach me things. If you come out of it learning knowing more, then I'm happy. I've enjoyed, you know, engaging with the kids differently, speaking to their mentors. It's kind of a highlight sometimes of my day when I get to run these programs, which is awesome. Welcome to Chasing Clouds a Quo podcast series produced in collaboration with the Prince of Wales Hospital Foundation and the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. I'm Ali, Editor-in-Chief at The Quo and your host for this series. Chasing Clouds is an evidence-based exploration into the social and public health impact of vaping and e-cigarettes in contemporary Australia. We aim to remain neutral because we're not funded by the vaping industry or big tobacco. In this episode, we learn about the Talking About Tobacco Use Program, Tattoo, which is run through the National Centre of Indigenous Excellence in Redfern. Tattoo is one of 40 tackling Indigenous smoking teams across Australia. It covers the Central and East Sydney Primary Health Network area, from the harbour down to the Sutherland Shire, which is home to 17,000 First Nations people. Tattoo runs workshops with school students, youth groups, and partners with organisations and workplaces to create ambassadors and co-develop smoke-free environments and events. Tattoo manager Stephen Davis on what the Tattoo Programme is all about. So what lies at the heart of the Tattoo Programme? I think it's all about the Tattoo Programme being part of the community which it serves and being an important part, not just in a tobacco education realm, but also being rely, reliable and called upon to pitch in with other community events, drawing you know, our team are from community and being part of community. So we're not, we don't, we don't bod in and bod out. We get up to all sorts of things together. The trust, the rapport, the being able to get in touch with us and say, hey, we've got this thing going on. Can you pitch in or um, can we help out or stuff like that? So more than just education around tobacco. But of course, that education around tobacco is fundamentally what we do, based, you know, evidence-based facts, maintaining the credibility of our program through our education for our team and then imparting that 
onto um, community. And all smokers started as teenagers. And I think people forget that. Mm. Everyone started as a teenager. It's adults who are trying to quit tobacco or vaping. Providing the education that we do around tobacco use and being able to challenge tobacco advertising of old, which doesn't apply anymore, but it was certainly something that the teenagers that we talked to, their grandparents and their parents were exposed to. Mm, I think we were amazed to see what they were actually exposed to by the tobacco industry. Tattoo Programme Facilitator Maya Dowd comes from the local community and sees working with young people as a mutual exchange. I've grew up the same way as most of these kids grew up. Like I went to their, I went to Wanambiri, which is their local preschool in Alex, Alex Park, Alexandria. Hmm. And that's right near where our base of operations is really close to our work. And then later on in my primary school years, I got kicked out of there. And I ended up going to around the Matraville La Perouse area. So I know a lot of like Indigenous people in the community. And it helps with work because it's like, I'm at that point when I'm an adult now and I'm talking to their teachers and their teachers are my friends or their teachers like one of my cousins. They realise that I'm not that healthy Harold person. I'm not coming here to talk words down your throat and then you don't really get anything. I want it to be a really open sort of even field where I'm teaching you things, you teach me things. If you come out of it learning knowing more, then I'm happy. Tattoo Program Coordinator, Ayesha Flood, on how growing up with the community she works with builds trust and rapport with youth. Because I've obviously grown up in Redfern, Waterloo pretty much my whole life. And going down to, not to Wanamburi, but I went to Alex Park. Um, that was my pretty much my primary to high school area. Uh, we, I grew up with pretty much the whole community in Redfern, Waterloo, which was awesome. But then, you know, those uh, people that were in my year were having kids. You know, and I was actually one of those students that had a kid at the age of 15. So mm-hmm. my daughter now is 12 and she hangs out with all the kids that we actually do programs with, that we um, run our workshops. And it's kind of awesome because they, they come up to me and they're just like, um, are you Leilani's mom, which is my daughter's name? And I was like, yes. And they're like, oh, you look like her sister. They don't look at me like, uh, oh, I don't know you or I don't trust you. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like, oh, you know, Ish has been around in the community for a while and everyone knows her family or knows her. So I think that's the same thing that with me and Maya is that we have that yeah. connection with the community and it makes it so much easier <laughs> to just get along with everyone. Among Indigenous Australians, smoking is the most preventable cause of ill health and early death. Tobacco use through traditional smoking is declining in Australia, but remains disproportionately high among Indigenous Australians. According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, the proportion of Indigenous Australians over 18 and not living in remote areas who were smoking declined from 54.5% in 1994 to 36.9% in 2018 to 19. But the proportion of Indigenous smokers in remote areas rose slightly from 54.3% to 59.3%. Despite an overall decline, the gap between non-Indigenous smoking rates and Indigenous smoking rates has remained stable. 
The National Coordinator for the Tackling Indigenous Smoking Program, Professor Tom Kalmer, believes that mainstream messaging hasn't reached Indigenous people. According to Professor Kalmer, messages are most effective when they are self-generated, culturally appropriate, orally communicated, and focus on family and relationships. Tattoo program facilitator Maya on how the tattoo workshops have evolved. There's been a very big change in our workshops and our content. Uh, previously, sort of Indigenous health, was, it was more of a one-on-one -on -one sort of conversational thing, whereas now it's moved to population health, where it's how can we reach the biggest group of Indigenous people or the biggest population of people as best as we can. I'd say a really big thing that we've worked on now, Tattoo as we are now, is really reintroducing that idea of breaking away from using false information or trying to use that medical information and make it apply to their life like holistically. Going where the silence is. The Quote. An independent media publisher in control of our own agenda. We hold the powerful to account and are accessible to everyone. To support us, head to thequo.com.au and our socials using the handle at thequoau. Tattoo program facilitator Aisha gives us an insight into how she approaches workshops with youth. For me, it's you know, trying to make the group as comfortable as possible, getting them to feel safe, to open up, to not feel judged. Feel judged is one of my, one of our big things, you know. Um, mm. We've learned that with the groups that a lot of uh, the groups, they learn while they're having fun or the kids are having fun. Uh, we try to make our workshops as engaging and interactive as possible. Um, this gives them a more hands-on approach, as Mara was saying. Having... Just a safe space, a safe space for them to tell their stories and also just to be heard, I think, is a big thing for us. Maya explains how he makes his workshops visual and culturally relevant. Our workshops traditionally, it was we're trying to be more verbal and sort of speak like a presenting sort of thing. You want to have a nice presentation, you know, speak clearly. And we also like to use props so we'd use sort of props of body parts or props of the circulatory system or little things that we can kind of add into our workshop that doesn't take away from it and doesn't sort of make the kids lose focus. Indigenous people are very big, big visual learners and I think it's nice having those sort of things that you're talking about in the room with them. It kind of adds another layer to their sort of way of thinking. Yeah, we like to use Indigenous artists and stuff for, like, all of our branding and stuff is done by Indigenous artists, local Indigenous artists, and we're also trying to work on little sketches and little sort of animations and things at, at the moment to sort of make them a bit more interesting, but also not pulling away from our tattoo sort of look. Sort of bringing it back to that idea that the respiratory system is very important, especially for Indigenous people, and... It does a lot, smoking does a lot of damage to it and it's bringing it back to that cultural idea that traditionally Indigenous people, smoking is a form of healing, whereas smoking in a sort of 
non-indigenous uh, version of it or something would be a to, like tobacco cigarette or cigarette smoke. So just bringing that idea full circle and bringing it back to the kids and saying, you know, traditional smoke heals, tobacco smoke kills. Tattoo mainly delivers workshops to primary and high school age children, but young adults and elders are also included. Aisha and why elders are drawn to the tattoo program. I think what I've kind of run into or learnt over the past couple of months is that with some of the elders that I've spoken to, um, it's more of them, yes, it is a struggle for them to quit. Yes, they are trying to find easier ways and better ways to um, make it easier for themselves. But the main reason why we speak to them and we and they come to us would be to get information to share with their grandkids. Um, I, I guess we learn, they, they tell us their stories and what they've endured, um, you know, through their lifetime. And it's just amazing to hear some of their stories and what they've been through and, you know, how tobacco was pretty much given as currency back in the days, you know, it wasn't get, like, it wasn't a bad thing to smoke. It was, it was a good thing to smoke. Clouded History is a documentary associated with the National Centre of Indigenous Excellence that is used as an educational tool in tattoo workshops. It explores the history of smoking in Indigenous communities around Australia and how this has affected smoking rates and attitudes towards smoking intergenerationally. Tobacco has been used as a way to gain power over Indigenous populations around the world. Knowing how highly addictive tobacco is, colonisers made local communities dependent upon the commodity to continue their everyday life. Australian Indigenous communities were exploited through hard labour on sugar farms, roads and railways and were paid in tobacco instead of money. Tattoo program facilitator Maya explains how this history affects the present. The Macassans kind of introduced tobacco to Indigenous people around the, in the Arnhem land and it was kind of seen as a peaceful, like it was a respectful thing. And then they left and then settlers came and then they had, you know, colonisation and, and whatnot. And then uh, they would use the Indigenous people, uh, they would work 12-hour days, maybe six days a week of hard labour and this is mm. out in farms and they were paid in rations. So they weren't paid with money. They were paid with tea. I think it's tea, sugar, tobacco and flour. So that's the start of the, well, it's the second start of the relationship between indigenous people and tobacco. But you can kind of see that that's happening so far back. Those, that was back around when these older people, you know, were younger. And if they're growing up with these influences, that's how it was introduced to them, then obviously their views are going to be very different compared to kids now. I think it's a cool way to learn as well. You learn, you learn a lot of things from the older generation. Mm. They tell you stuff that, you know, you read about, but they it, it doesn't hit you the same. They'll tell you about like the advertisements and things that they used to show us and they were smoking at the ages of 10 or 9 or, you know, just crazy stuff like that. It's a lot, it's a lot different than workshops with kids, but it's, it's good in its own way. School-aged young people now have a vastly different experience around tobacco use. Maya on the impact of their exposure to vapes and vaping. There's been a lot of kids 
that have at least told us, you know, in a safe environment about, you know, certain things about vapes or where they get their vapes from or how it makes them feel and sort of the effect that has on their mindset, I think is a really important thing to talk about because um, it does a lot of damage to their body, but they don't realise it because it's not like cigarettes where there's plain packaging and there's no smoking bad. Smoking will kill you. It's a, it's like a nice bright colour. It's a bright, it's a nice flavour and it's not like a cigarette. You don't have to pull out a lighter and light it up, you know. You don't really see it. You can see someone have a cigarette, whereas if someone's having a vape, it's, it's, you can just hide it, you know. It's, it's a lot easier to hide. It does have a sort of effect on their mental health at some point. I like to talk about the, uh, the problem of addiction. So some of these kids, you know, you want to tell them about things, but you're not sure if it'll stick with them. And then you sort of bring it away to relate it back to their life. Like we talk in our vaping presentation about what the vape vapes can do to nicotine vapes, by the way, what they can do to your brain, your heart and your lungs. And addiction is one of the big ones because you can be addicted to things you like. You know, you can be addicted to things that are good for you, but you, it's still a problem. Before the age of 25, your brain isn't fully developed. And these kids are taking in these nicotine vapes, which also have a ridiculous amount of nicotine in them. And they're getting massive hits of dopamine every time. And then their young brain kind of gets rewired around that addiction. So it turns from having it every now and then to I need it or my brain won't function anymore. And then if I don't have it, I'm upset. If I don't have it, I'm angry. If I don't have it, I argue with people or I'm irritable bringing it up to kids in a way that they would understand it. Like, so if someone had their vape taken off them, do you notice that they get angry or they swear or they get upset very quickly? And then they start saying, Oh yeah, we do realize that sometimes kids get sick. You know, you learn, you learn a, a lot about uh, what the vapes can do to the kids by talking to them, by giving them that info as well in a way that they can sort of get it. I think is the most important way. You don't want to be going there and just putting information in their brains and then they just, you know, you remember when you were a kid and like people used to come to your school and they'd tell you like, don't do this, don't do that. And you're like, I just wasted my time. You don't want to, I, don't, I think of it like that. I don't want to be that person. They're just giving them information, telling them this is bad. This is bad. Think of it from the perspective of how much better you will be if you don't have it or how much healthier you will be if you don't have it. Maya explains how the real nicotine content inside vapes sticks with young people. One of the biggest things that uh, sort of sticks with the kids is the nicotine content inside the vapes. When we go over that in our presentation, that's like at the back end after we've talked about the history and everything else and the health, health effects it has on your brain, your heart and your lungs. At the end, we sort of go into that idea of um, the nicotine content and how much is actually inside the vapes. And they think, well, it says on the vape 5%. So I think it's 5%. And 5% doesn't sound like much, right? But yeah, we um, ended up getting a sort of big amount of vapes confiscated around sort of different schools we were doing workshops with. And then we got maybe 10 or 20, was it, randomly tested? All of them that were randomly tested had nicotine in them. And some of them had nicotine up to the equivalent of two decks of cigarettes. 
tattoo manager Stephen Davis on how encouraging kids to talk openly about vaping habits can change attitudes. There are advocates for vape-free life in that group of children, in that group of youngsters, and they'll have friends who vape. But what we do, we provide a platform where or an opportunity for them to talk amongst one in, uh, one another on that topic. I mean, a few weeks ago, we had a little online forum and one young lad opened up and he says, yeah, I was tired of feeling the way it was. It was costing me this amount of money. I was uh, I had a 2000 puff vape going and I was doing that for two years and I just gave it away. You know, and to hear that from a member of their peer group would have been great. And it allowed us to talk about, talk about the topic in a forum of 16 young men. I think that's, that's quite an outcome. Sydney has now been in lockdown for three long months. Tattoo program coordinator Aisha on how the tattoo team have adapted their workshops to meet the constraints of an extended COVID-19 lockdown. What are our workshops look at the moment um, since lockdown? I think mm. has been super full on, let's just say. It has, we haven't pretty much had a day off since mm. lockdown has occurred, which is a good thing for us, kind of keeps us going. Um, we've transitioned over from the kind of face-to-face interactive workshops that we do with the schools or the students or any of our um, partners to online workshops, which is kind of awesome, different sort of platform which I kind of, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed, you know, engaging with the kids differently, speaking to their mentors. It's kind of a highlight sometimes of my day when I get to run these programs, which is awesome. Tattoo program facilitator Maya on how they keep their workshops interactive. So we, we were thinking, how can we take these workshops that we do that are very personal and are very, you know, it's a conversational thing. And how do we turn that into a, workshop online that isn't too long and you know will actually keep them engaged quiz is is the thing we're using at the moment which is like where we put all of our online lessons and it's like a cool little thing where you can have a presentation and the presentation kind of can go into quiz questions or it can go into a video and it's a it's you break it up a bit like it's not like you're just showing them a slideshow and then asking them questions after and seeing, you know, asking them, oh, yeah, did you learn anything? It's, it's a really cool way of seeing, like, tangible results of how, like, they're taking in the information. Aisha on why kids still love Tattoo's online workshops. They compare it to their regular classes. And their regular classes are, they say, quite boring. And it's more of the teacher speaking to them directly. And they're just like... Oh, you know, sometimes you just, you just get tired. You just, you're sick of looking at a screen all day. You're not interacting. Like, you know, the teacher might ask you to read something out here and there. Um, and that's about it. But they say, you know, with the workshops that we deliver, it's um, hands-on still. You know, we get them to the quizzes, like um, Maya was saying, and, you know, they, we've got their brains working, their fingers going on their phones. We've also incorporated our fitness workout. Yeah, it's so much fun. Um, so we get them to do a workshop first. And after that workshop, you know, we get them to get up, let's go, let's get the body moving. 
and let's do a fitness workout and they love it like i think the last one we did was last week i'm pretty sure it was last week yeah and the kids jumped up got into it their mentors got into it which was so funny everyone's like having trouble breathing <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun i quite enjoyed it that was that was so good just to just to see the kids moving around and getting them active which was great Maya on whether tattoo success with youth education could be used as a blueprint for mainstream youth education around tobacco use. I mean, I'd really love it if there was a mainstream version of tattoo. That's like a goal. That'd be like the coolest thing ever, you know? Or like just having a sort of that education aspect, but I don't know if it could be like tattoo, you know? Like where kind of what make it tattoo? Program manager Stephen Davis on how much easier it is when recruiting someone from the local community for the tattoo program. I mean, there's a big difference um, recruiting with the tattoo team. You recruit someone from community, they hit the ground running. There's, I mean, Ish was in fitness beforehand and she grew up in community and she joined the tattoo team and there wasn't a thing we had to teach Ish at all. Yeah, because it takes time to build relationships. Program facilitator Maya Dowd on what he wants the future to bring for Tattoo. So I think it'd be cool if we could do our online lessons and our normal lessons. Like we could be out in the community, away from our computers, or and then we could do, I don't know, a workshop or an event with someone. And then we can come back maybe to a group that's a, a bit further away from the Redfern area. We could do an online course with them or we could do a workshop with them online. Whereas, you know, I think there's a more opportunity to do cool stuff now in terms of we can either do it in person or we have the online option now. Or like, you know, there are other ways of thinking about how to, how to teach them. That's, that'll be a sort of key component of Tattoo as we move on into the future. Program coordinator Ayesha Flood on her vision for turning Tattoo into a movement. For me, I'd be trying to get as much community involved with the program as possible. Make mm. it more of like a movement, pretty much, would be would be great. You know, getting our elders involved, but not only the elders, our mentors involved. Just like every single part of the community, just behind each other. You know, trying to make a, a better space and a better environment, um, not only for themselves, but just for the kids there. That's been growing generation. Tattoo is very small at the moment, let's say in Redfern, but you know, with the people that we have around us, this could be something great. Um, and I think this is only just the beginning for us to kind of push um, to make this bigger and better for our whole catchment. As Stephen was saying, there's over 17 and a half thousand Indigenous individuals within our catchment. And to make that, to make it just a small difference would be amazing. And I think we're taking those steps to then give our community the education they need to provide to, to everyone. So that's just awesome. That's what I want. That's our goal. That's my goal. Just how effective are Australia's mainstream e-cigarette youth education programs and public education campaigns around tobacco use? What is working and what isn't? In our final episode, we explore the history of Big Tobacco's involvement in the education space and unveil our vision for a vaping-specific online learning module 
in collaboration with the Prince of Wales Hospital Foundation and the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. 